Merry Christmas. I've been saying that for quite a while, and it is just a joy to enter in and continue on in this season of Advent. Uh, whether you're with us now or with us online, it, it truly is a joy to celebrate the gift of God entering our world in the person of Jesus. And so uh, as we continue on in worship, uh, I want to pray for our time as we, as we continue on. So let's pray to the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that you are with us, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. I ask, Lord, that you would in this time comfort us by the power of your presence, that we would find strength and hope in your word that is speaking to us, truth about who you are and who we are. And so, Lord, as we hear from you, would you stir our hearts, our imaginations, and our affections to love you, to delight in you, to long for you in the midst of this time that is so difficult and challenging. But may we know in the midst of this time, you are with us. We pray this in the name of Christ and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Well, um, as I've kind of reflected on this this year, uh, one of my favorite observations that I've made is kind of seeing the evolution of the handshake in the year 2020. Uh, if, if, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure many of you do know what I'm talking about, but, but in case you don't, let me chronicle it for you. Um, in the spring, you know, we were just kind of doing this, pretty common, pretty basic, routine stuff. We all know how handshakes work. But, but as we started to get into the summer months, we started to adopt this posture in the summer. This is kind of what it was, but, but it would always end up turning into this, which was kind of like, like we just don't know how to fist bump. It's just that awkward. We, no one knows how to do this. And, and then as we got into the fall and even the winter, we started adopting this kind of chicken wing thing, which we all do. It's just interesting. And, and my guess is by 2021, we're all going to be doing this. This is going to be our, our main posture of greeting people. And so that's my, my prediction, but it is coming. Um, now, in, in all seriousness, I mean, even though handshakes and hugs, kisses, and even being in close proximity, even though they, these things have changed over the year, the one thing that hasn't changed is our hardwired longing for connection, for relationship, for proximity, and for presence. And I think 2020 has revealed just how important that is in our lives. I mean, many of us, as we think about what we want for Christmas, that wish list has changed. What we want is to be able to hug our grandkids. What we want is to be able to have sleepovers with friends from school again, or go on road trips with old college friends, or be in close proximity and embrace loved ones that we haven't seen in quite a while. I think we've been awakened to the power of presence precisely because we have felt the pain of its absence this year. There's something about 2020 that has shown us how deeply we need and long for presence. And in some ways, this longing for connection, for proximity, for relationship is very illustrative of this season of Advent, a season that is marked by longing, expectation, waiting for the presence of God to be with us. You see, during Advent, we are awakened to the reality, the wonder, the mystery, the beauty of God's presence here with us, both here on earth and in the heaven that is to come. And so this morning, as we continue on in our Advent series, we've been exploring the beauty, the mystery of heaven and what I want us to consider today, if there's one thing you take from our time, I hope it's this, is that Jesus is the gift of heaven. The gift of heaven is Jesus. Now, keeping that in mind, I, I want to read our scripture for this morning. And so I invite you to, to stand for the reading of God's word from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18 through verse 25, hear the word of the Lord. 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, when, when we come to this story, it's, it's easy to kind of keep our imaginations sequestered to the very familiar images of, of Jesus in the manger. Baby Jesus asleep on the hay, surrounded by a petting zoo of characters. Like, that's how we tend to think of Christmas. But, but what I want us to see is that this story of Jesus being placed in the manger is no less than heaven entering earth revealing to us that our God has come to be with us. And so, yes, there is a human aspect to this story, but there is also a divine and cosmic aspect that we must not miss. And so so this brings me to the first point that I want us to address as we think about Jesus being the person of heaven who is the gift of heaven. The first thing I want us to see is that Jesus is the paradox of heaven. Jesus is the paradox of heaven. I've had, as, we, as we come to Mary and Joseph, this familiar story, receiving this news of a child to be born unto them, we have to see that this is more than just happy birthday Jesus. Uh, yes, that is Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Christ. But this is no less than the astonishing miracle of God, the infinite eternal, entering into finite humanity upon earth. And we see this in verse 18, we see this aspect of Jesus being the paradox of heaven as we see these words described for us again. Let me say them again. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is described to us as being a human child and of the Holy Spirit, So right away, we see this kind of dual aspect of Jesus' reality, this mystery of divinity taking on humanity. This is what's referred to as the incarnation. In theological terms, this is the incarnation, which it's easy to kind of use a fancy term to describe something, but, but just by using a fancy term, it doesn't explain what this mystery is. What does it mean that divinity has taken on humanity? Well, sometimes it's helpful in understanding mysteries like this and doctrines like the Incarnation. It's sometimes more helpful to describe what it is not. And so what we, what we mean by the in- Incarnation, what we don't mean is that Jesus was not some kind of mixture of divinity and humanity. He was not some kind of spiritual Toyota Prius hybrid where he's a combination of both in some way. Neither was Jesus this kind of divine shapeshifter moving from divinity into humanity back into divinity. He is at all times fully God and fully man, which is a mystery and hard for us to grasp. 
But perhaps one of the greatest attempts to kind of capture the beauty and the mystery and the wonder, the paradox of heaven, is in the words of St. Athanasius in the great Athanasian Creed. Athanasius said this, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, perfect God and perfect man. Yet he is not two, but he is one Christ, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by the taking of humanity into God. As we sing every Christmas, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. And again, this is admittedly a hard reality for us to grasp with our finite minds. But just because something is hard for us to grasp and mysterious, it does not invalidate the veracity of its truth and its claims. The incarnation is indeed a paradox, but it is not a contradiction. What we claim about what we believe about Jesus is not that he was God and not God, or that he was man and not man, but that he is fully God and fully man, a paradox. And we have paradoxes all, all around us in, in our world and in nature. I mean, n- not the least of which is the common understanding of even the, the wave-particle duality of light itself. In fact, in trying to do some research around this, in, in 2015, the first image was taken that captured the duality of light, and it stunned the scientific world. Now, that's as much as I can talk about this without sounding like an idiot, so, so you, can, you can't ask me to explain the duality nature of light as both wave and particle, but neither can you ask me to deny it. In the same way as we think about Jesus being fully God and fully man, while we cannot fully explain it, neither can we deny it. This is true of Jesus, the God-man who came from heaven to earth. And yes, it is a paradox, but it is precisely the paradoxical nature of the incarnation that leads us to worship, that leads us to wonder, that leads us in awe and worship. If we could figure Jesus out, if we could wrap our minds around the incarnation and say, like, yeah, I I get it, I get it, like Jesus would cease to be an object of worship, worthy of our worship. The very truth that, that we cannot figure Jesus out is what leads us to bow in awe and worship. And so as we consider Jesus, the God-man who is fully God and fully man, the paradox of heaven, what do we do with this? What does this mean for us and how do we understand heaven in light of this reality? Well, there's many things I could say, but but not the least of which is this, is that if Jesus is the paradox of heaven, one thing it means for us is that we should be curious about Jesus and his world. If Jesus is the paradox of heaven, it should lead us, regardless of what you believe about Jesus, to be curious about him and his world. The paradox of heaven, it should not lead us towards a kind of mindless believism of just like, yeah, I just just believe it. It shouldn't lead us into a mindless believism, but neither should it push us into a closed materialism. But rather, what the incarnation should do, what Christmas should do, is instill within us a desire to know and be curious about Jesus and his world. At the very least, the story of heaven entering earth and the paradox of Jesus should lead us to be curious, to to wonder, to ask questions, to explore, and to ultimately worship now as a way to stir our imaginations, our affections about who Jesus is, and what heaven is like. And so just let me ask you this question, regardless of what you believe and kind of where you find yourself this morning, are you willing to be curious about Jesus? 
Are you willing to be interested in the world that he made? Are you willing to ask questions, voice doubts, engage in conversation, observe nature, explore God's word, pray to God? Are are you at least willing to slow down and wonder about the world that we inhabit that is filled with beauty? Christmas reminds us that we inhabit a world where heaven has broken in, a world filled with beauty, a world filled with awe and transcendence and glory. But are we curious enough and willing to slow down enough to see it? The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, when you just say his name, you sound smart, and so it's fun to say his name, but, but he wrote a parable in describing this need for wonder in the world that we inhabit. He says this, a certain rich man traveled in a finely appointed carriage with lanterns on each corner of his vehicle to light the road around and ahead. He went his way in satisfaction and security, assured that his wealth provided him with a good life. One day along the road, a rich man, uh, one day along the road, the rich man passed a poor peasant who had no carriage to carry him, no lamp to light his way. Yet while the rich man pitied the poor peasant who had no money to buy all the creature comforts of life, the poor peasant could see the stars, which the rich man missed because he was blinded by his lamps. I think that is a perfect parable to describe how we so often miss the beauty and the wonder that the world, that that God has made, and the beauty and the wonder of the mystery and the paradox of Jesus who is fully God and fully man with us. May we be a people who, as we continue on in the season of Advent and live year-round, may we slow down enough and live with a wide-eyed curiosity and delight in the God of heaven and the earth that he created and his Son who is bringing heaven to earth. So God being fully God and Jesus being fully God and fully man, he is the paradox of heaven. But secondly, what we also see is that Jesus is the presence of heaven. Jesus is the presence of heaven. In Matthew's account, we are introduced to two names describing the Christ, the promised Messiah. And the first one is the name Jesus. We see in verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name. You got it, you got it. For he will save his people from their sins. So we see in this name given to God in the person of Jesus that he has come for the purpose of rescuing his people from their sins to forgive them and redeem them. But it is in the second name given to Jesus that we see the fuller and wider picture of why Jesus has come. It is in the name that we see in verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name... Emmanuel and Jesus, both together. That's wonderful, together. So so what we see is that in this story, yes, the Son of God has come. The paradox of heaven has come to rescue us from our sins, but also so that we might be with God forever. Jesus has come to be the one who would live for us and die for us, who would rise again in our place to save us from our sins. As we sing in the great Christmas hymn, mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. But what we also see in Jesus is that he has come to bring us into the presence of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He has come as the paradox of heaven in order to bring us into the presence of heaven. 
And not just a heaven that is to come that we are waiting and spinning our thumbs around, hoping that it comes. But we also see that he has come to bring us into the presence of heaven even now as it is broken into our earth. Because you see, the name Emmanuel is not God will be with us. It is God with us indefinitely. Jesus is the embodied presence of God who has come not to just get us into heaven, but to show us what heaven is like. There's a reason why in Matthew's uh, recordings of Jesus and his ministry, he descri- Jesus describes his physical presence on earth in this way. In Matthew 3, verse 2, Jesus begins his ministry declaring this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus sees himself as the manifestation of the, of the kingdom of heaven. Or as Luke records in his gospel, Luke 17, For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you, Jesus declares. Or famously, as the the gospel writer John in his opening prologue in describing Jesus, we see these words, the word of God referring to Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus saw himself as the manifestation of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, which means if we want to know what it will be like to be in heaven, we need not look any further than the person of Jesus who is the very presence of heaven. One of my favorite biblical resources is the Bible Project. If you're not familiar with the Bible Project, I encourage you, your homework this week is to explore the the video resources they have on the website. It's incredible stuff. And they have an incredible video that talks about this reality of Jesus as the presence of heaven. Just take a look at this short clip here. That's it. That's it. We can watch it again if you want. It's probably going to be more entertaining than the rest of my sermon. But the, the, the point being, the picture that we see here is that Jesus has not simply come just to get us to heaven. He has come to be the manifestation of the presence of heaven, to show us what heaven is like. And so if we want to take Jesus seriously, if we are curious about heaven, as many of us have questions about it, we need not look any further than Jesus. What is heaven like? It is like Jesus. And so if Jesus is the presence of heaven, then then one thing that this means for us is that we should be a people who practice being in Jesus' presence. If we want to be prepared for heaven and and, and anticipate and expect what it will be like, we should practice being in Jesus' presence. What is heaven like? Heaven is like being like Jesus. 
Heaven is like being like Jesus. It's like experiencing the freedom of humility to the point that you are able to fully focus on other people and enjoy them and care for them in ways that you couldn't when you were so fixated upon yourself. Heaven is like loving your neighbor as yourself for their good and the flourishing of all of existence. It's like being generous and living an outpouring life for the good of others in every aspect of your life. Heaven is like turning away from sin and seeking righteousness and justice in every aspect of your life. It is like, it is like having a love and appreciation for all peoples and cultures, reflecting the beauty of God's diversity and his love for all of creation. It is like caring for the poor and grieving over injustices, being sympathetic towards the least of these. Heaven is like being fully known without fear of rejection or shame. Heaven is like forgiving and being forgiven. Or in other words, heaven is like being like Jesus. Again, we tend to think that heaven is a place that we go to instead of understanding it as a person who has come to be with us. As the late J.I. Packer put it in his seminal work, Knowing God, one of my favorite books of all time, he says this, the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor or humble, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow humans, giving time, trouble, care, and concern to do good to others in whatever way there seems need. This is the picture of heaven. Do you want to be prepared for heaven? Then, then may we be a people who grow together in loving Jesus and loving the things that Jesus loved and loving them in the ways that Jesus loved them. Jesus is the paradox of heaven, fully God and fully man. Jesus is the presence of heaven who has come to be with us forever. But lastly, we see that Jesus is the point of heaven. Jesus is the point of heaven. The thing that makes heaven, heaven, is Jesus. And, and sometimes this is hard, even for those of us who would identify as followers of Christ. We have a hard time grasping this picture of heaven because we are so inundated with this idea that heaven is about all of the wonderful things that I enjoy now experience to an infinite degree, which is in some part true. We talked about this in the sermon on the place of heaven. But heaven is heaven precisely because Jesus is there. In John 17, this is in Jesus' high priestly prayer, right before the night before Jesus is crucified, we see this prayer that Jesus offers up to the Father, and he declares these words in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 17. Praying to the Father, he says, You have given him... Uh, Starting in verse 2, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus defines for us what is eternal life, and it is not about a place in particular, but it is a person. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. It is being united to him in a deep, abiding, joyful, and unending relationship where we will know him and be fully known by our all-knowing king, where we will love and be loved by our all-loving savior. We tend to think and view Jesus as the means to heaven, which is the end. Jesus is important and significant and worthy insofar as he gets me what I want, namely heaven. In this way, we tend to view Jesus as the gift card that gets us the thing that we actually want. 
At Christmas time, when you receive a gift card, no one receives it and hugs the gift card. Like, it's exactly what I wanted, the shape and the dimensions, the color. No one cares about the card itself. The card is important insofar as it gets you what you want at Target. And this is often how we can view Jesus and heaven. Jesus is important. Jesus is good insofar as he gets me what I want. It's common to think of heaven as a place that we will enjoy because we will get to do all the things that we enjoy here on earth, which in part is true. But hear me clearly. If you do not enjoy Jesus, if you do not love Jesus and love the things that Jesus loves, you will not enjoy and you will not love heaven. Because heaven is heaven precisely because Jesus is there. If we do not enjoy worshiping Jesus here on earth, through our work, through our bodies, through our, our money, through our play, through, through everything about us, then it is not heaven that we are really after. And it's not heaven that we will receive. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. John Piper, he, he uh, kind of poses this very helpful but haunting question to us as we think about our understanding of what heaven is and how Jesus relates to heaven. He says this, if you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties that you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict and any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? That is a helpful but haunting question for us because it forces us to face the reality of how we tend to think about Jesus and how we tend to think about heaven because, friends, Jesus is the point of heaven because he is the presence of heaven and he is the true gift of heaven who has made himself revealed in the paradox of heaven. So if Jesus is the point of heaven, if this is true, if this is what we remember and celebrate at Christmas, then let me offer this final word. May we receive the gift of heaven. If Jesus is the person of heaven, and if he is the ultimate point of heaven, then may we be a people who continually receive the gift of heaven. Jesus has come as the paradox of heaven, being fully God and fully man in order to bring us back into relationship with God. Jesus has come as the presence of heaven to show us what heaven will be like, and he has come as the point of heaven to be the object of our joy and of our worship. But the question is, have you received the gift of heaven? Have you discovered the futility and the emptiness of the pleasures and the pursuits of this world that, that seem to have this glass ceiling that we just keep bumping up against and it's like, ah, it's just not getting me there? Have you come to know and be known by Jesus, who is the true gift of heaven, the one who in full humanity was able to suffer with us and for us. The one who in full divinity was able to be a sufficient sacrifice on the cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven and declared sons and daughters of God. Have you come to trust and find and receive the gift of heaven, the one whose glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die? Jesus is the gift of heaven who has come to know you and to be known by you. The question is, have you received this gift? 
Now, as, as we continue in worship, I, I, I want to pray. I want to pray for us, but, but as I do, I, I, want, I want us to consider if we have received the gift of heaven. And you may be here in this room, you may be with us online, and perhaps you have not. Perhaps you have a lot of questions and doubts about Jesus, and that's okay, and I invite you to add them to my doubts as we struggle and wrestle and follow Jesus together. But my hope and prayer is that this Christmas, we would come to receive the gift of heaven, who is the presence of heaven, and the person of Jesus Christ. And so wherever you find yourself this day, my prayer is that you would find Jesus as the gift of heaven, who took on flesh to ransom us. May it be so. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you that you are the God of highest heaven who has entered into our world to suffer with us, yes, to identify with us in our pain, our brokenness, and even our sin, but you have also come to suffer for us so that our sin may not be counted against us, but your perfect righteousness may be credited to us. Lord, as we continue in this season of Advent, as we approach Christmas, may we see the beauty and the wonder of Jesus, who is the paradox of heaven, the presence of heaven, and the point of heaven. Lord, I pray for those who are far from you now, who who do not know you, who have not come to receive you as the gift of heaven. Would you break through and show yourself for who you are, the Son of God who has ransomed us, Lord, I pray that as we continue in worship, may we receive and respond to you in praise and joy as the God who has entered our world to rescue us. Lord Jesus, we praise you and celebrate your birth, your incarnation, your crucifixion, your resurrection, your glorification, and your kingdom that knows no end. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.